And before every show, instead of trying to tell myself, you can do a good job, I would just say, this is going to fucking suck. <laughs> I'm going to be horrible. And, and, and it's going to be a piece of shit because I'm a piece of shit and that's fine. Welcome to another episode of Two Two Guys, a podcast about ballet hosted by dancers. Uh, my name is Keelan, and today I have two special guests, Jonathan Davidson and Evgeny Dukukin. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having us on the show. Yeah, pleasure being here. Why don't you say your names yourself so that everybody can put the name to the voice? Uh, so my name is Evgeny Dukukin. It's a Russian, Russian name. My name is Jonathan Davidson. Uh, Jonathan it's on a Swedish, but I'm also a U.S. citizen, so when I speak English, I go by Jonathan. Okay, all right. Um, so I guess this podcast, maybe I'll change the the artwork for it to three three guys because there's a three of us today. <laughs> Sounds um, good. <laughs> so thank you both for being here. Um, time zone wise, Jonathan, you're in Sweden right now. Yeah, it's uh, four fifteen p.m. Fourteen p.m. And Evgeny is I don't know ten miles north of me or something. Yeah. Yeah. In Toronto, North York, Ontario. Beautiful. So Jonathan, you are Swedish and you're dancing in Sweden. Is that yeah. correct? So that was that, was that a nice return home when you, when you moved to Swedish ballet? Yeah. I think I always had a dream of coming back home at a certain point. Uh, and my parents had moved home a few years before I kept taking class here and the director, um, Johannes Erman uh, and I, we had a good, contact and after a certain time you just feel like all right now is the moment to go i had uh had some good three years in estonia and done plenty of other companies and experiences so i was about 29 or 32 i think so it felt like a good time to go go home and settle down right yeah. that that does seem to be an age right around or right, the late 20s early 30s seems to be an mm -hmm. age where people start to think okay like what now though like what am i yeah. doing though I certainly am feeling that myself mm -hmm. uh, at 31 right now. So the focus of this episode is, you know, conversation with two other very accomplished dancers who have danced in multiple companies around the world. And I'm hoping to get some insight about the differences dancing in North America, be it Canada or the States, moving to Europe, dancing there. Um, we can talk a bit about the differences in dancing in these with these different cultures and also the reasons why certain dancers will seek out a life where they're constantly traveling, right? As opposed to staying in one place their whole career. So maybe first we can just give off the list of the companies we've each danced for so that people have an understanding of who we are. So Evgeny, you want to start us off? Yeah, so I started dancing first uh, in Israel National Ballet. This is in Asia. Then I moved to Louisville, Kentucky in the United States, after which I went and spent another two years in Toulouse, France. And after that, I went to Estonia National Ballet, where's where I met JD, Jonathan here. And then I'm just freelancing here now in Toronto. It was about the same for me. I was ready to come back home. So I've been home ever since then, just guesting in different companies. So I guess with Ballet Jorgen here and just different small projects all around the area. Okay. All right, JD. I started off uh, with the Houston Ballet uh, when I was 19. And I spent four years there. Um, 
and I had an unfortunate knee surgery. I was struggling a bit, so decided to actually stop dancing. So I went to college uh, and lived with my parents in upstate New York, where I also went to high school and where I trained. So I sort of merged my way back into uh, Rochester City Ballet, which was sort of a company for my school where I received my training in high school. So I was there for two years. Uh, and then I wanted to get back into the bigger ballet world and auditioned around and landed a job in Toronto and National Ballet Canada. So I worked there for one season. At that point, my brother moved to Estonia, my parents moved to Sweden. So I was alone in North America and I felt like moving back to Europe. So I auditioned again. Uh, I got a job in Estonia. I was there for three years. Uh, and I had a great time, uh, danced a lot, and I was really happy. But like you said earlier, I reached that point where I was almost 30 and I started to think, uh, where do I want to finish off my career? Or where do I want to settle down? Perhaps uh, have a family eventually. So that's when I auditioned for Royal Swedish. And this is my fifth season here. I had the least amount of traveling, but I started in Alberta Ballet. And then I went to Ballet Jorgen, and then I went to Estonia. But so we've all danced in North America and Europe. Evgeny also danced in Israel. What do you find, and this is a pretty broad question, but what were the biggest challenges you found moving to new companies? I think the, the hardest part overall is just the logistics of living in a new place. It's not so much the ballet world. It's like the, when you get to the ballet company, it's almost the same and everywhere I've been. Right. But doing like the paperwork for immigration, doing the paperwork to get an apartment, doing the paperwork, like that's the most complicated thing. And thankfully, almost every ballet company you go to, there's somebody that went through that experience and they will always help you out or they know some ways to go around, you know. But always I found that the hardest part. It's also the most interesting part because you get to learn how each country functions. Like when I lived in France, for example, it was crazy amount of just everything had to be on paper and you had to do everything with paperwork like it, I, you're not used to it because in North America almost everything can be done digitally there they still do everything through paper so in every place you go to it's completely different but then you really understand you know how different people live and how different cultures and it's completely okay because like growing up in North America I thought this was the way that everybody else did things and then you go other places and it's completely not that way at all. And it really opens your way up also to the rest of the world. I can start off with saying that uh, I agree with you that the logistics around everything, and uh, for me doing the taxes in each new country was a big sort of learning experience, trying to figure out how that all works. And as we all know, the taxes in the States are a piece of work. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then doing them, from like half a year in the States, half in Canada, half in Canada, half in Estonia, and then back here to Sweden. That, that was a bit of, that took a bit of time and energy. Yeah. But for me, I think the, in Europe, you perform in one opera house and you rehearse in the same opera house. So it was right, really nice to have, this, not having to move back and forth between a rehearsal space and a performance space. Because in all the places I worked in North America, you always have, to move all your clothes and all the makeup and all this stuff uh, to the theater after you've been rehearsing for some six, eight weeks or whatever, depending on your respective place. So I feel it's nice to have a definite home. I feel you have your dressing room, you have your dressing roommates and it's not that many people. Hopefully you have a good crowd and you can have a really great time in there. I mean, Evgeny and I were in the same yeah. dressing room in Estonia. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, but for me, the, also the tempo in Houston, the, 
level of uh, the workload was really intense. And I feel that they generally would keep dancers until the very last minute because we're getting paid. So, and not a lot of warm-ups going on. You had to always do everything full out a long yeah. time before the premiere and you were only rehearsing for eight weeks and you were like killing yourself over one, several productions at a certain time. But um, I, th I think the workload in U Europe is maybe a little bit more humane, uh, uh, a little bit more spread out. And I, people are always injured in each uh, company you go to, but I, I have been less injured here, I think, than I was in North America. That might have to do with age and learning how to use your body also. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, well, there's a, a few things there that really stand out. The piece about home, the theater being your home, I really felt that when I went to Estonia, because like you said, prior to that, I danced in companies where our rehearsal space was entirely different from the performance space. The, the theater was something they would rent or, you know, they had a relationship, but, and it's true, like going to the theater in Estonia, which I think is a beautiful theater, uh, you know, walking up to it, this, this giant, massive yellow building and knowing that like that everything for me was there. Like my whole life was there. There were beds in the change rooms. There was a canteen in the basement. There was a nice patio we could go and enjoy in the sun if you could find somebody to steal the key from. It was really kind of, everything was included. Something about that felt more like loving, like it was more cohesive, you know, like, like home, you know, really simple. I remember we got a key when, when I, at least when I had an introductory meeting with all the new dancers, that said my second home in Estonia, Minu Teina Koidu, when you yeah. joined the theater. Yeah. Which, yeah, it's like you said, you have everything there. The gym, the sauna, yeah, all that good stuff. You can pop a beer in the dressing room afterwards. Nobody's yeah. going to raise an eyebrow over that. You know they have a new gym that doesn't give you tetanus if you use it? Really? So it's, it's great. Yeah, they fixed it. They don't. You don't have to worry about getting rabies from a, a squirrel that lives in there. It's ah. like it's renovated. The so, same space, yeah. though, but they fixed it up. Right? Same space, but yeah, they just pureled all the walls, and it's fine now. Um, it's, it's, spons it's sponsored by some, somebody else now, right? So it's sponsored by a, a gym or something like this? Yeah. I mean, it was sponsored by a gym before, but the rolling machine, you know, was fraying. So who's to say? <laughs> it's not Soviet-sponsored anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's not so sponsored by the Soviet government anymore. So that's, no. that's, a, that's a start. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's what you said before, right? So... I think the biggest difference is like in North America, it's a, it's like a ballet company, but in Europe, it's a theater. Like you're really part of an organization that is made for performing. Like you have the opera, everybody all in the same building that almost never happens in North America. Like yeah. you just, you're like a separate entity that you kind of go and, and move around and you move into different theaters. Like that was, that's, that I would say is a huge, a huge, huge difference. Yeah. The mentality of it. The function and role of the ballet theater in the culture in Europe seems very different to America. I think it's really obvious in something like the role of, a, of trainees and apprentices and second companies. I think there are like fewer unpaid positions in Europe than there are in America. In America, it's very common for a company to just say, oh, we're opening up a second company. We're gonna have 25 dancers and we're not gonna pay any of them. And somehow it's gonna be full. And so it's, I guess, because companies so this is somewhat of a generalization, but it feels like companies in America have to run as a business more so than companies in Europe do. They're understood yeah. and treated more as, well, this is a necessary part of our culture. And so we'll give it the financial support that it needs. And the way that kind of trickles down 
is that we do feel it as dancers. Like, did you feel that? Is that, is that a correct statement you think? Yeah. <clears throat> Maybe that has to do with the fact that it's much uh, higher percentage of the annual budget is government subsidized here, as opposed to just, private donations in the States and maybe the other right. companies in North America have to answer to all the private donors the same way that uh, a business would do. Like where, where's my money going? Is it being effectively spent? Are you taking good care of it? So maybe you can be a bit more generous when you have, I think here it's like 85% of the budget comes from tax money. Right. So in Sweden it's, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Scandinavia would be kind of at the forefront of, taking care of the arts. Yeah, very well taken care of, very good working conditions. And yeah. you can also, I think, keep dancing until you're 43, if you choose to. Yeah. I don't think there's even a rule now for when you have to retire. But in the States, in Houston, I think there was one woman who went, Lauren Anderson, African-American ballerina, who was a big star there. She retired my second season and she was 41, but that, or maybe a few years older, but that was almost unheard of. Yeah, I don't, I don't think any male dancer there reached 40 that I know of. So dancing in different companies with, you know, every few years transferring to a new country, a new system, it's difficult. Why do we do it? I think that's, that's really part of our, like the joys of our careers that you can do this. And like everyone I talk to who's not a ballet dancers, they, to them, it's such a big process to move and do all this stuff. But I never even thought the second thought about it because I thought this was the benefit. I don't have to really speak another language and I'm able to do my job other places. And I think you could, what we didn't really mention was like, you could really experience different repertoire. Like it was because I felt like in Europe, they take more chances because it's government funded. So like when I moved to Europe, I danced a lot of stuff that I never even thought I'd be able to do work with choreographers who weren't scared that, you know, like maybe the people wouldn't come to see it or even a lot of people like the, the European audiences, they would come to see new stuff that's never been seen before. Whereas when I was dancing in North America, it was like, there was stuff that would sell and it was stuff that people already know. Like they weren't as scared to take the risk, but most importantly, it was just to see the world. Like I'm so happy. Like I build on my experiences now and I tell everyone like, Oh, I saw this here. I saw this there. And, I do a lot of teaching now too. And I can give kind of like, Oh, this is what they do in Europe. This is what they do here. Every, everywhere is just a, a little bit different, uh, like ex experience wise. So it, it kind of makes us better. People dream of traveling the world and, you know, like they save up money. Like we could just do this and work and live in this place and get the, that immersive experience. So I thought that was really the, the biggest, biggest benefit of it all. Yeah. You definitely don't get any stagnation in your progress. Uh, I felt very inspired coming to a new company with very talented new group of people and like you said a new repertoire and trying to find your place there trying to prove yourself to the people there but also prove to yourself that you could handle these new tasks so I always felt very inspired entering a new company and also the variety of rep I did a lot of stuff in Houston my first few years there and uh, got some, it was wonderful to do Neumeyer's Najinsky in Canada. So I think right. it was worth, worthwhile going there just to work, work with him for a few weeks. Sure. And then in Estonia to get to do all the big classics was the best time I ever had until that point. But then when I came here, Royal Swedish, when I joined, had a director who did like half really, really modern and half really classical. Uh, 
so I got to do the lead solo in Ohadna Harin's minus 16 last year, this 23 minute improv solo, which was totally wild and get to do Masek, get to do Alexander Ekman, uh, and a lot of really modern stuff. So I think uh, it keeps you constantly growing. Uh, I think many people here in this company who've been here their whole career, uh, they're not as satisfied because they haven't tasted other places or other countries. I remember before I went to Estonia, because um, I had danced pr prior to that always in Canada, and uh, Bally Organ is a touring company, and so I was always traveling with Bally Organ, but it's still insular, because it's, you know, for the most part, it's my own home country. Season after season, I felt like I'm building towards needing to leave here, and when it became clear that it was the year to go, it was, I had learned everything I needed to learn, I was ready to go, I had to leave I knew it had to be far away. Like I wasn't going to go to the States or another Canadian company. It had to be something where the flight was more than six hours. You know, like I needed it to be an adventure. And I likened it to when the Vikings set out to sail and they were on these boats that are basically canoes. And their impulse was to say, we're going to go that way and we're just going to figure it out. You know, we're going to go far and we're going to see what we can do. And we're going to see if we can conquer the world on that side of the water. Do you guys feel like there was an element of adventure that was key to your decision making in moving to different companies? I hear a Viking descendant in you, Kira. Yeah. <laughs> I think you two have a lot in common there. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You did the reverse. You went back. Yeah, yeah I went back. To, centuries later yeah. to your ancestors' roots. I completed the loop. I went back, yeah. Yeah, yeah I for sure agree. Like the, the adventure aspect of it, and especially when you're younger, you definitely want to get as many adventures under your belt as possible. So that definitely plays a, a huge factor. And like I said, like you get to learn how other people are living in different places and you don't just, you can't just look that up on Google. Like yeah. You have to you immerse yourself in that. This is really invaluable life experiences. When I, we moved to the States when I was 13, because my dad got a professorship at a very prestigious university. And it was almost surreal for us when we moved. But then after a few years, when you get used to everything, it feels as natural as anything else. But like you said, you, you get thrown into a new place. It's exciting. You try to adapt and you learn. And I think you grow in every part of your life. Uh, when I, so when I went to Estonia, actually, to tell you this, Evgeny was like the biggest fucking help for me when I went to Estonia because he was my guy. In like yeah. the spy movie, whatever, you got the guy in the headset. He was my yeah. guy on the headset because he would contact me with like my schedule. He'd be like, hey man, I think you're doing Giselle first cast, like before the season started. I was like, why do you think that? He's like, well, your name's on the casting. I'm like, how do you have the casting? <laughs> but he like, he still had his ways, right? And um, if it isn't abundantly clear to anybody listening, we were all at Estonia National. Um, you two overlapped for a year. I never overlapped with either of you, but Evgeny's been a friend of mine for a long time. So when I first went there, I came as a demi-soloist. I was expecting to do third cast lead, to learn this, and you know, that kind of thing. But when I got there, I found out hey, you're actually our lead principal guy for most shows now because the guy we had before who was six foot four, he just quit like two weeks ago and you're six foot two. So you're just going to sub in for him. Have you guys ever had that happen where you ended up in a place and the experience was totally different from what you thought it was going to be? I mean, uh, I always really had no no idea what was going to happen anywhere I went. Like I, was, I had a 
an idea of what I was expecting and it always ended up to be something completely different. Like, I think what happened with you kind of happened with me is when I went to Israel, like I just thought I'm joining a ballet company. And then first thing they put me on is Symphony in C, Balanchine's third movement soloist. And I was like, Whoa. And how old were you? And I was about 18 years old, yeah. I think 18, 17 years old. And first of all, like I grew up in Canada and so we didn't really get much Balanchine exposure. So for me, just dancing anything Balanchine was like, wow. And then th this is a hard ballet. And I didn't expect that a, a company of that size would be able to do this ballet. And then just getting thrown into things constantly, like when you, when you don't expect it. And the ballet world is so funny. I, I don't know if you guys have this, sometimes you feel like, Oh, I'm not doing anything like this. So this, I feel like, like I'm just wasting my time. And then a time comes around and it flips on you and you're doing everything all at once. I had this experience in Louisville also where I danced with so many different shows. I wasn't really doing too much. And then one of my shows, I end up doing everything, everything soloist and everything part of the program. And it's like, it flips around on you like this. And so ballet world is a, it's a big surprise, big surprise all the time. Yeah, I think I encountered similar experiences to what you guys just mentioned when I joined Houston. I came from the Carib Academy. I was just there for like a year in the summer, so I got a lot of confidence boosts uh, from a, an intense Ukrainian male teacher. This is the Kirov Academy in the States? Yeah, in D.C. Yeah, I was there for one year after high school. And when I came to Houston, I, I, was, I remember also saying to one of the soloist girls right before class, I was like, oh, I'm kind of bored. I only have two hours today. She's like, Jonathan, just you wait. And then after a few months, I was also in everything. And they had like eight productions a year. And I did the Russian solo in Bastinus' Nutcracker, which is a full-on variation. It's the same one we have in Estonia. I did that after like a few months. And then a lot of soloist parts in one-act ballets and then Petit more, and then my second season, I did the lead in Nutcracker when I was 20, and then I did the lead in Cinderella as the prince when I was 20 or 21. So those two first, year, two first years, when I look at the repertoire lists I did, that I, now it's like crazy to believe that there was so much dancing going on in those two years. So, and somehow you just, you're young and you just push and you just go through it. It's uh, so much fun, so much great experience, so much intense partnering. So I think those two first, those two first years uh, really gave me a great start. Uh, and I'm very thankful for that, but I never would have imagined that it would have been that intense coming right from school. I didn't start doing any like lead stuff until I was 24. And I didn't feel good about my dancing like ever until I was probably 27. And like, even then it was only sometimes, <laughs> right? <laughs> I hear about people, you know, like Jonathan at 20, 21, doing full length leads. Evgeny, you're basically 18 and you're doing soloist stuff. If they asked me to, like, I just don't think I could have done that. Like, I wasn't asked to do it, but I don't know how I could have done it at that time. Um, even just the mental pressure of being that young, going on stage, doing lead stuff. I, I mean, props, like hats off to you guys for just figuring it out. I, I don't know. I it was when you're younger, I, I felt like you don't have the experience to build. Like I didn't have that much uh, really like knowledge of what a company functions like. Like I, I came and I, 
I didn't really know the, the, the structure, like all oh, people wait for, for roles. Like, I don't know, the, with a Russian mentality, they're like, we get you ready for solo and principal parts. Like it, you don't, no one really talks to you about other stuff. So I always understood like that was just the general progression. And then as I got along, uh, my second company actually, Lovo, like I, I came there and the director was like, no, you know, you're going to have to wait a little bit to be able to dance any solo stuff. And I was like, what do you mean wait? And they're like, yeah, like you, there's people who have seniority on top of you. So you, you take, we're going to take your time. We're going to develop and then you'll be ready for, for the big, for the big roles going forward. So I think when you're younger, you have this expectation. Also, like I, I meet a lot of younger dancers now, like the expectation is like, I'm going to dance everything right away. Like I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. And, and it takes time to find out like, actually, maybe that's not the case, but you're ready. I, I felt ready for doing solo, but like, Solo in ballet company, I go. <laughs> like that's what I, that's what I felt like <laughs> starting. Well, also Evgeny, you were uh, with a school here in Toronto uh, that performed a lot, and you would do full length leads when you were like fourteen. Yeah, because we didn't have that many guys, so like we basically the guys that were there, we were doing everything lead all the time, and then they they would put on like Nutcracker with guest performances, so they would get like Bolshoi principles, and we would be dancing like russian beside them you know so i I didn't have an understanding of like really court court of ballet work so much yeah i think i was also fortunate like you uh my school uh in rochester upstate new york uh draper center for dance they also didn't have uh paid professional dancers at that point they started having paid dancers right after i left so i also got to do the leads when i was 16 17 18 the full length Prince Cinderella and uh, Don Jose and Carmen and Snow King and Nutcracker with all this like advanced uh, partnering. So I also felt I had a lot of good experience to fall back on from the school. And then the Kirov Academy one year with this Ukrainian teacher, he also just, he was sending out dancers to go to become principals and companies. So I was not really that nervous in Houston either. I remember also standing on the wings right before I was going to go on and I almost told myself that I was already a soloist here and I was going to go out and I was going to kill it and I was going to show everybody myself. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good to have that and a lot of maybe young young dancers have that today too. Uh, I think that's what's great about young energy on stage that you uh, don't have any hesitation and you have a lot of uh, guts sometimes probably too much. I think that's why car insurance is really high for young guys because they don't know their limits. They don't know their, how to uh, handle their strengths. So maybe it's both good and bad, but it definitely helps with uh, conquering difficult parts early on, I think. Uh, I think that's some, some companies, like they really, I find that some dancers like really boom, go up to the top because the directors, I think they see like this person can do it. And so they give them the full, the full reign of it because they know they're not going to take any prisoners going all like they're going to go full out. I don't know if that's the healthiest thing for their body and they're just for their mentality. But I think for the ballet company per se, it's, it's good to get this person who's just like physically really wants to do it and mentally they're ready for it. Like if they are ready for it to just let them go and let them already get to the top because the performances also become kind of, I, I find sometimes like what's well, world-class because this person is really ready to go. Uh, so this dancer vagabond life, I kind of picture like, you know, like the hobo with his little stick and his little bag of goodies in his back. We kind of all have that in us as we travel from country to country. Like 
selling our services like hey will you let me do prints you know um, <laughs> i've got the white shoes i've got the white tights in the bag already there is though another option and you do see it because as we've all been to many companies you see the dancers who are rooted and they join at whatever age and they stay forever what is it about that life that you think might appeal to some people and why didn't it appeal to you well i i saw these people and i think the best thing that these people got out of it is they kind of really built a foundation in one place so you saw like you know they had like roots grow out like like they they really just had like a a job and they could live what you say like a, a normal life almost you know like where they got to spend everything with their family they got to see their city change like i went away from toronto and then toronto was a completely different place when i came back to it finally so i feel like they maybe have a little bit of a better connection to their family like you really miss everything when you're on the road right. that was really my maybe my regrets you would say or maybe something that i'm, I'm jealous about of, of those people i yeah i agree with you i I have some really great friends, but they're all spread out. I, well, I got married here, uh, I think now it's this summer, it'll be three years ago. Uh, looking at the wedding list, my, I was like, oh, okay, well, one of my best friends from Gothenburg, Sweden's coming. And then a guy from, uh, yeah, from Toronto and then from Houston and then from Estonia and then from Amsterdam. So it was just like yeah. meeting points over here. But I think I've always seen each company as temporary in the sense that I don't, I'm not yet. Uh, ready to settle down until I came here. So I think with friendships, uh, I've had, like Yevgeny and I had a great time, but we only overlapped one year. I wish we would have worked together for a longer period of time. Of course, we maintain a friendship, but it's uh, being rooted and being one place and being close to your family and building uh, branches of uh, friendships and relationships. Uh, I think I missed that a bit and I'm happy now to be here and looking forward to building that. Uh, there's a lot of great colleagues I have here, but I never went to school with them and I haven't spent 12 years in the company already with them. So I think I'm a little bit, uh, not jealous of that, but I can see that they definitely have something that you appreciate. But I know that they are jealous of the experiences that we've had. And I don't think I would yeah. exchange our experiences for being rooted in one place the whole time. Because then I think I always would have wondered what it would have been like. About the wedding thing? Mm -hmm. uh, I thought about like, if I get married and I'm still dancing and my friends are still all dancing, like if it's, you know, at an age where we're all still dancing and we're in shape, I thought about having a gala at the wedding and that the wedding gift I ask for everybody is rehearse yourself, get really fucking good and come do a pot or come do a variation for me. Right. <laughs> so like we, we do a show kind of for nobody <laughs> for each other <laughs> at my wedding, you know, and we have like a, like a nice stage, like big enough set up and, and we just have a rep list and everybody picks what they're going to do. Right. It's almost like a gift registry, but like just variation music that they have to pick from. Um, <laughs> but like, I love it because it you kind of have to just shut the fuck up and do it. Like in a way, like you, it's my special day, you know, so you can't complain too much, right? Because I know, I think of like when all the guys would come to Toronto, like we'd have a summer where all the guys from National Ballet School, friends of ours would come visit and you'd have this like, oh my God, Bozzy's here and Shimon and Brian and Julian and Evgeny, we're all here. I'd be like, let's go take class. And every single one of them would be like, nah, <laughs> I'm on vacation. And I'd be like, guys, we're ballet dancers. We're all healthy. Let's go dance together. And it would be like pulling teeth. And if they did class, they would do bar and sit down. 
What do you think? If that was the case, would either of you accept my wedding invitation or would you both be like, uh, I'm busy? No, uh, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll be down. I'll be down. I don't, I don't know that well, but I'll be down to do All it. Right. Jonathan's in. Jonathan's in. Okay, yeah. maybe Esmeralda I, I, or something. I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I would do Dianakian at your wedding, but maybe like a, a Russian trepak or something, like just something. So, but there's no way I'm getting like white tights or doing some double cavalry. Right. Only a little bit more... Uh, how do you say character wise yeah I love it there we go if i could somehow get everybody to be like really competitive <laughs> I, I would just love to see that but you know uh for for young dancers anybody considering a career in dance what would you say to somebody considering do i try traveling do i try the adventure route or do i try to stay and grow here you know there is the method or there's the methodology to get in one company and you spend your whole career there because that's how you rise through the ranks. And some are constantly chasing a new place where they're going to get success right away. And maybe they never find it. What would you say to people who haven't really started that journey yet? Uh, I would say, depending on which type of company you want to dance in, like if you're going to be going to the Bolshoi, the chances of you like traveling around and then being uh, working at the Bolshoi ballet probably is, going to be very slim so if it's like one of the major three four companies in the world which are like to have their own feeding school going into it i would suggest to them like just go through the route going in because like 98 percent of people that are there they they go up through the school and they go up into the company but i i don't know from my personal experience i would recommend to them like still try to move around try to see because you have the experiences that nobody else really has. And sometimes the directors there, they see that like, oh, you know already, like all that you have this already, this baggage with you. Like you can, you can progress much faster. Like they have to really teach these people because they've never seen anything else. So I don't know. I, 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 my personal recommendation, if you're willing to put the time in and go to like Paris Opera or Bolshoi or like one of those three, four main companies. Yeah, good to do the route and take your time going through it because really that's the only way. But if you're going to be in North America or like any other company, like move, you could move around. I think it will, it will progress you up much faster and you'll, you'll be able to have the, the repertoire and the baggage with you to, to, to rise up even faster. I think you mentioned this earlier as well, Evgeny, that uh, certain directors will see well, any directors in general will see talent in a certain young person and push them up quickly. And I think it's important for young dancers to realize that uh, just because your current director or your first job director doesn't see you as a promising soloist or give you the opportunities that you uh, want to have, it doesn't mean that another director will not. And not every one of the five companies that I've worked with have I had a director who wants to promote me all the time or give me things that I'm satisfied uh, with. But I can always try somewhere else and eventually I will find a place where we connect, we meet, the director sees who I am, I respect him or her and it becomes a place of mutual growth and appreciation. So I think don't give up, but just because you're not, you lose a job in one place doesn't mean you won't get it in another place and doesn't mean you won't rise mm -hmm. in, your, in another company. So I think um, be ready and be open. And another thing I can say to young dancers is that uh, 
always be curious, almost be a student in your own mentality and always try to adapt to the, the next choreographer because if they see that you are able to uh, become and conform to their vision, then you will have great possibilities. If you get stuck in only dancing a certain way, a certain style, then you will probably only be doing a, a very small part of the repertoire in a certain company. Uh, and also don't peak before the performance. A lot of young dancers get injured a few weeks before because they feel they have to build up so much that I've done that many times in the past. So remember that the show and all the shows, that's where it matters more than class every day. Yeah, and that's, I, I didn't learn that at all until like way later in my career, I would be crushing it in rehearsal. I would just try to, even sometimes I would do it like, I don't know, the day before I would do, try to do it extra good on stage. And then you show up tired to the performance. And like, now I'm thinking, why would I do that to myself? Like you're handicapping yourself the, the day before the show. Yeah, that's very good advice. I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, just to wrap up that question with my thoughts, I would say, get clear on, like, maybe even write it down. What are your list of priorities? Like, what are, what is important to you in your career? Um, you know, is it travel? Is it, I just want to do principal classical roles. Is it, um, is it, I want it to be a big company, you know? And once you're clear on, well, what are the things that are really important to you? Then also try to get a sense of kind of what do you naturally seem to fit? Like if you're, five foot two and you really want to dance in Stuttgart, like it might not pan out, you know, if they, if they're insisting on having a tall dancer. So there might need to be some degree of adapting to what the realistic likelihood is of success. But I would approach your career once you're really clear on what are the things that you want to tackle and succeed in specifically, um, get creative. And I think JD put it really well to the best of your ability. It's not easy, but try to find a director who, uh, respects and who sees you the way you want to be seen, right? Because if you go to a company and they see you as principal material and you want to do principal work, that's good. But if they see you as a character artist at best, you might want to leave pretty soon, you know, keep your eye out for a new opportunity and try to be really malleable as much as you can to the whims of the director or the, the desires of the people you're working for, you know, try to show them, oh, okay, you want this. Okay. I can adapt to that. Um, Cause that'll only help you in your career. Just to add to that, I think you also need to find a place that will invest their time into you. Like they, uh, they will teach you stuff. Like they will teach you how to be better. Like they, they don't just expect it from you to f figure it out. Like it, there's some companies like they don't coach you. Like they just expect that you're you're gonna do it. And sometimes a young dancer, like they, they if they don't get the coaching, like there's no way they're gonna get up there. So maybe you have to look out outside. But some companies, like if you get there and you see that they're working with you and that they're, they're, they want to teach you, that you, you see yourself progress. That's also a good reason why you should probably stay there. Like take that, take that in because they, they don't give that to everybody. That's a huge point. That's a huge consideration as well is do you want, like, are you already a finished product? Do you know, did you win Prix de Lausanne at 14? If not, if you still feel like you have a lot of learning to do, you can add that to your list of priorities is find a company that will teach you and coach you and hone you in getting better. You know, both of you were doing principal roles early on in your career. There's a reason why I wasn't. I needed that coaching. Like I needed years and years of intense coaching to be, to achieve my potential and then even exceed my potential. So if that's important to you, keep that in mind. Yeah, but even if you on pretty less you also 
probably need coaching yeah. <laughs> like to, to, to learn how a certain ballet works and to, the nuances of what to think here where your costume might rip or what like you need the person to tell you who's maybe done that before and to teach you so you actually look good on stage because at the end of the day when you're on stage you don't really know what you look like you need somebody else that looks from the outside and will tell you like oh you should probably do this here like this is a little trick you're gonna look better yep. this, and this is there's no way I mean, the amount of times you have to do it yourself until it'll be way faster if somebody just tells you this before you get out there. Totally. And I think it's very beneficial to try, strive your hardest to be an intelligent dancer. And you can do so much work here while not killing your body. If you're able to pick up the corrections or you observe the choreographer or the stager and try to adapt to their style, as opposed to trying a difficult step 15 times every day until your body gives up on you. I see so many of the young colleagues that, get acute injuries because they've tried something too much that doesn't work instead of analyzing it and using your brain. And it can, you can start working on that in school with picking up combinations in class. Later on, you'll be able to pick up choreography when there's an audition. If the choreography sees that you're fast, well, he or she might want to work with you because you're able to absorb everything quickly. Uh, last question before we get out of here. Um, we'll see where this goes. Any like Estonian memories that are particularly bad or particularly good that might be funny to bring in like we all had to dance on this tiny stage with a company that was always seemingly doing 20 productions at once and sometimes things went wrong and we were underprepared any particular anecdotes stand out as uh, entertaining uh for me the one of my biggest and funnest memories probably that on stage with jd uh we're dancing what was this ballet we were uh you were kind of the Hulk dude in the front and me, Ali, in the back. What was, this? What was the ballet? Medea. Medea, yeah. So we, I, I don't know, Ali was being so crazy that day, just, I don't know, screaming. I don't know what he was doing, but we were all dying of laughter. And then JD was in the front of it. And JD has like this super serious role. And uh, I remember he turns around his back to the audience and like just is like, yeah, boy, let's go. <laughs> and he turns around and does this and like we were at the back and i think there was like eight or nine guys and we're just i did not expect jd like because it's a super serious role he just all of a sudden screams out on stage <laughs> oh my gosh that that was probably a memory that stands down with me for a long time wow dude i didn't even remember that but now that yeah. you're mentioning it, it sounds familiar it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i remember this now i remember a funny moment uh, I think it was my premiere of Siegfried and not Thomas version, but the one before T. Term, the version, I think it was my second season. I was, uh, I thought to myself like, oh yeah, I took some Russian in high school and Victor, the coach is speaking to me in Russian. So I, I, I felt that I, I was pretty comfortable with that. I could say some words. And for some reason, <clears throat> in the very end of the first scene, when all the guys are like doing the chairs with the cups and there's like a little group dance before you go off and you go into the swan scene. Some guy was supposed to give me a cup, but my cup was nowhere to be found. So I run off into the wings and I'm like screaming to these uh, students and the teachers from the school. I'm like, Gdia Baklazan, Gdia Baklazan. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it means like, where's this aubergine, like vegetable. I'm like asking, where's the fucking vegetable, guys? <laughs> vegetable, yeah. <laughs> and I thought I said pakal, which is like cup, I guess. So uh, they were all looking at me like big question marks and I was just <laughs> giving it back to them with all this attitude because I was stressing out. So I came back and I did the whole dance pretending to hold a cup 
in my hand when all the other guys had them. And I toasted with just my fist, like supposedly <laughs> holding a cup. And then I come off stage and Victor's like, dude, why didn't you just dance with a normal belly hands? Why did you dance with like this uh, tiger claw? <laughs> okay, small Victor story. And then we can get out of here. Uh, I would rehearse with Victor a lot um, my second and third season. And he would say for like Alsacon pull-ins, right? Like I'd be working on pirouettes to the right. And so, you know, sometimes like your bad side is actually better somehow because you're kind of stiff. So just like it works, right? And whenever he would see me do a good pirouette to the left, he would just look at me and be like, left, do left. What? And he was just like <laughs> lobbying for me for like two seasons to just become a lefty. And I was like, look, man, <laughs> just because I did a triple like one time today in class doesn't mean I'm going to turn everything to the other side, okay? <laughs> I think I think this uh, like this is it. Uh, Victor needs an honorable mention because I think uh, all three of us going through Estonia National Ballet, we met this guy who's like really like the epitome. I feel like of like what a male ballet dancer was in the Soviet Union. Like this just huge guy with yeah. huge hands. Yeah, <laughs> and we've been working in this theater for a long time and still doesn't really speak much Estonian. Doesn't really speak much English, and just all the time saying all these Russian words. And I, I, even to this day, when I'm teaching, I, I use his like, oh, what? oh. <laughs> so I, I think he deserves an honorable mention because I think he really, uh, he really was a big part in all of our careers. And like, and with me and JD, like we would just joke around in class all the time, like just do something crazy. And Victor, like with that Soviet Union, went, oh, whoa, it's so good. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like jumping sideways or something. <laughs> no, the, yeah. the bigger the jump, the crazier it was. This is more impressive. His boys' classes, men's classes were really almost always the best part of the day. Wow. And I think I was lucky like you, Keel, and I had uh, my second and third season. He did pretty much all the coaching for all the big parts and the partnering experience. And then like just the mo mostly like how you move the FMO, how to carry yourself on stage and how to put the emotions, like the emotions yeah. into your role that really, uh, I don't know, I couldn't get enough of it. I really missed him coming here. And I think it's the most fun I've had with a coach because you kept meeting in a new role in a new role and he really gets to know you and he knows your strengths. And <clears throat> it's after each act, he comes up to the dressing room if you're not there, he asks all your buddies, like, where, where's Jonathan? And then he gives you your feedback and he says, good job. Keep going for the second act. You know, you're going to do well. And yeah, that was a really special thing. So he felt like a bit of a ballet father there to all yeah. of us, I guess. Yeah. And yeah, it's true. His hand is like the size of a baseball mitt, you know, like. Yeah. Huge. All right. Well, thanks guys for being here. This has been an awesome conversation. Great opportunity to chat jd great opportunity to like meet you properly three stonian boys all getting together uh talking about dance talking about life why don't you let people know how they can get in touch with you if they want to so you can find me on instagram uh yevgeny uh dot the or uh yeah you can just contact keelan and he'll probably put you in touch with me that's always also if that's an easy way to get in touch with me as well. It was an absolute pleasure to be here on the show. Thanks very much for having me. That's actually what I do with like most people who contact me in general. I just give them your information anyways. Like the doctor calls me, they're like, we have your test results. They're very serious. I'm like, call my friend. <laughs> That's why in Estonia, that's what happened. Okay, I understand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think on my Instagram, it's just one word, Jonathan Davidson, but without the H, Jonathan Davidson. I'm on Facebook as well. If you, anyone wants to get in touch. Right.
Yeah, a couple of a uh, couple of great dancers here on the pod. If anybody wants to hire them for their kid's birthday party or something, uh, just kidding. For a for a wedding show too, we can do that. Yeah, yeah. If you're wedding, wedding gala. yeah, if you're having a gala at your wedding, um, these two will show up uh, ready to go, well prepared. Yes. Um, okay, so everybody, thank you for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Tutu Guys. Uh, leave us a review; really helps with the show if we get rated. Um, Five star reviews are great, but I mean. Be, you know follow your heart and uh, uh message us contact me with any ideas for episodes or questions you have for the next guests um, we'd love to hear from you but thank you everybody for listening and jd evgeny much much pleasure having you on the show thanks for having you yeah man thanks it was a lot of fun do you have a sense of belonging anywhere dance just dance dance